You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions. What up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to this special episode of 21 Questions. I'm hanging out with Matt Hamilton, producer for the Up and Adam show on FanDuel TV. I'm BJ Kissel, and we appreciate you for spending part of your day with us. Matt, how goes it on this as we're recording this Monday midday? Things are great, BJ. I appreciate you having me on. Just got back from London doing the show over there. So um, as Tucker, as our friend Tucker would say, the vibes are higher right now. <laughs> Still one of the top moments in uh, KCSN history is uh, Tucker Franklin going on the Up and Adams show with Kay Adams from the Super Bowl parade. Uh, how many, you can jump on here, Tucker. How many beers deep were you? Oh, I wasn't that many. I was To be honest, it was like seven o'clock in the morning. It was seven o'clock in the morning and it was the Super Bowl parade. And I was probably four or five at that point. Yeah. And it was 9 a.m. to be fair. It was 9 a.m. It wasn't seven. It was 9 a.m. Every year it's going to, ch- every week it's going to change a little bit. Like you had 16 beers before <laughs> six o'clock in the morning. All right, let's get to your questions again. We appreciate everybody on the KCSN Discord channel that submitted these questions uh, to be a part of the Discord. You to be a paid subscriber to our daily newsletter. You can find all of our written analysis, film breakdowns, all that stuff uh, from the crew here at KC Sports Network. You find out all of that information at kcsn.substack.com. We appreciate those questions coming in. Matt, you ready to get to these questions? Actually, before, Let's- how was how is London? And how are you feeling right now? Are you back to normal? Did you feel any different? How are things? Uh, London was amazing for us all. The fans out there, just it, it, every single year, it's better and better. And, uh, you know, I think five years ago, the first time I went over there, the biggest cheers are for the extra points, for the field goals, for the kicking. Yeah. And now they really understand the rules. They're really into it. It's it's such an awesome experience out there. And hope it's going to be the same in Germany when when the Chiefs head over there in a few weeks. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much back to normal, you know, hit the ground running, got right back to my high school football team was coaching the next day and, um, you know, didn't really get any time to, to kind of rest up after it. But I, but I feel like I'm back on a normal schedule now. The one thing, Matt, that I remember side story, uh, about the chiefs playing in London, cause they played at Wembley, they played the Detroit lions back in, I think it was 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, it was able to go. I remember a couple of things. Hey, I remember the press box. You're sitting out with the fans like in the stands, which I thought was awesome because you can kind of experience yeah. it. I always miss that being in the press. Like you can't cheer. You can't do anything. You just have to hold it all in, which is not my forte at all. Watching games, Tucker can attest watching the K-State game this weekend. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I remember before the game, like the pyrotechnics of like the, you know, the players run out and all the fireworks go off. Yeah. Players all run out and Andy Reid's walking. And Andy Reid is with the, his director of security, Brian Schaefer. And they probably aren't more than, 15 yards away from like the big like thing that shoot that was shooting off and it went off and both of their reactions I remember distinctly watching being like that thing was not supposed to go off right there and it went off pretty close to coach Reed and I remember like asking somebody afterwards I'm like they're never going to do pyrotechnics here ever again like that was I will never forget his look and like the way he turned around I'm like I don't think that was supposed to happen and I wasn't sitting by anybody I could ask in that moment but uh just remember thinking that's the end of pyrotechnics in London for NFL <laughs> games because of Andy Reid. But let's get to these questions. This first one is from Tank the Frank 
on the KCSN Discord. And Matt, we'll start with you. Just what's your favorite takeaway from the first six weeks? And because it's not specified, I'm assuming that he means Chiefs. So I want to ask what your favorite Chiefs takeaway is. And then just in general, what's going on? Obviously, you cover the entire NFL with everything that you guys do. So, you know, what are your favorite two takeaways? Well, I think Chiefs-wise, I think it's this the way this defense has played so far this year because, you know, while everybody is concerned about the offense not quite clicking and, and looking the way it did last year, I don't know that it necessarily has to if this defense plays this well all year because, you know, this is a top 10 unit in the league. Um, the secondary has been amazing. Um, you know, I think across the board, all the draft picks that they've invested in in the defense are, are working out. And um, that's what's going to give them the best shot at contending this year, because, you know, I think the offense, you know, well, while it is Mahomes and Kelsey's there and and I think they'll give you more than enough. I don't know that it's going to be at, at some of the levels we've seen in the past. So yeah. defense might be the path to get there. Um, and as far as the NFL as a whole, I think uh, what we're seeing going on in Detroit right now is a pretty awesome story. Uh, with with them getting to five and one, and uh, you know, I think there was a little bit of a nervousness because they got they got a lot of hype this offseason, which we're not used to seeing with Detroit. And there were those questions like, does did Detroit really earn this hype? Like, why are we hyping them so much? But uh, they've really delivered, and they they just been smothering teams. Like you watched that Buccaneers game uh, yesterday, and they just sucked the life out of that building. It was a beat down, and you know, the final score might have not, might not have been crazy. We didn't see you know a ton of fireworks, but this is that they've taken on Dan Campbell's identity. They are going to just choke the life out of you game after game after game. And it's, it's pretty awesome to see. Yeah, I, I agree with both those. I think coming into this season, uh, I'll be honest with myself. I Detroit was one of those like teams I thought was going to be really good. And just to be fair, because it's easy to say like now that they're good, I thought the New York Giants were going to be a lot better. I did not see the offensive line playing this way. I believed in Brian Dable and Mike Kafka. I uh, thought Daniel Jones, a good athlete, better than he was getting credit for. Really expected them to to be not at the level of what we've seen in Detroit, but I thought they'd be a little better. My favorite takeaway, kind of like what you said uh, as, a, as a whole about the Chiefs defense, but individually, Trent McDuffie uh, is playing yeah. the way that so many people behind the scenes have been talking, talking him up quite a bit, uh, saying this kid is going to be really, 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 really good. Uh, and then now some of the defensive coaches saying best cornerback that he's ever been on a staff that that's been drafted uh, and for him to come out and play the way that they have, it's taken everybody that whole second year class uh, has been killing it for the chiefs. I think it'll go down as the best draft class, maybe in franchise history, which is saying something they've had some really good draft classes, but that group is full of dudes who are con- contributing at a major level to a chiefs team that is in the golden era of, you know, the organization and, and what we've seen from them. So uh, that, those are pretty easy ones. And then it's also also just really cool to see Chris Jones playing as well as he is, holding out, having a target on his back, uh, having to back up kind of what he did through his actions of not being there and showing up to the game against Detroit to start the season and not playing. And then once he is on the field, being the Chris Jones that we're accustomed to seeing. All right, let's move on to the next question. And this is from Nick Sack Nation CFO Johnson. Is that aside from Minnesota, uh, and I'm not letting you take London, Matt, what other away stadiums have you gotten to watch, or I guess the Chiefs at, or for you, any NFL team? Do you have a favorite place, uh, to a favorite stadium to go and watch an NFL game at? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I can, if you want a second to think about it, I can answer. Yeah. I've got a pretty easy one. I was able, I was with the Chiefs for six years, uh, and granted, some of these 
you know, teams have new stadiums. So I was in two years, if I'd stayed two more years, I would have made it through the entire cycle of the NFC, AFC road home, the whole deal. Uh, I still don't think, and I look at it from a, I grew up going to Arrowhead. I know what that atmosphere feels like. I know how much fun that is. I know the tailgating, all of that. Buffalo just seems like a hell of a fun time to go to a game. And when we went there, it was like a noon game on Sunday. They weren't, this was back in like 2014. And it was just a giant party the whole time. It was freezing. It was like a blizzard. They're throwing snow up in the air. They weren't sitting down the whole time. That's one of the things I pay attention to when I'm at a road stadium is like how much are people sit. Minnesota stadium is beautiful. It is a very nice stadium. I went with my son a couple weeks ago, but it, at least in the corner we were in, it was really quiet. Nobody was really standing up unless it was like a third and long or a red zone, like a first or second goal kind of situation. It was just different. Buffalo to me just seems like a really, really good time. Yeah, it really does. That's a great call. I think for me, the most memorable um, stadium I've been in on the road. So when I was working um, in the line scouting department, my first game that I went to on the road was that snow game, the LaShawn McCoy game at Philly. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, even just growing up, uh, growing up a Giants fan going to game, I went to a few games at Philly. That atmosphere is um, is insane. Um a little scary at times if you're <laughs> representing the other side, but um, but it is. It's just I don't know. There's something about that place. While while it is all of those things, and the fans can be pretty awful to you, um, it, I don't know. That's what a road atmosphere should be like. It reminded me of when I was at Mizzou. We go into Oklahoma, or you know, not Nebraska. The fans are too nice in Nebraska, but yeah, going into Oklahoma and they're <laughs> you know that's yeah. that's what you expect that road atmosphere to be like, and and they live up to it every single time you go there yeah philly was one of the places that i didn't go to it was one of the stadiums that i didn't make it to but uh would have definitely wanted to and you kind of are disappointed if you go to philly and don't get yelled at or don't get right. like when we go to oakland you go to the coliseum and you pull in on the team bus with the chiefs like if we weren't getting the bird flipped at us by a bunch of like six-year-olds like i was gonna be upset like this is what i came <laughs> to this is why i'm looking out the window right like i want to see what this is gonna be and luckily they didn't disappoint uh, they didn't disappoint there, and I doubt Philly would either. And I had a different sport and all that, but there was a video clip of the Phillies home run, um, and I can't remember the player. I'm a terrible baseball fan right now, but it was the clip of there was like the raw audio from the broadcast that didn't include the play-by-play, and it was the walk-up song of living in this big blue world, my head up in outer space, and the whole crowd is cheering and like singing this guy's walk-up song, and then first pitch just hits it out. And the way that the sound of the crowd is one of those, like, I didn't care which team win, but I was jealous for not being in the stadium in that moment just because it was one of those, like, you have to be there kind of moments. And yeah. it just kind of went to show Philly fan or Philadelphia sports fan just different. Yeah, it's true. And no matter what else you want to say about them, the passion can never be questioned with that group. I will take that all day. And it's coming from somebody who lived in San Diego, loved it. They, It was just kind of a thing. That they had yeah. when the charges were down. Sadly, uh, when the thing when the charges were down there. All right, so we want the next question. It's from B Higgs underscore Prince Felix. What is the most meaningful storyline for the Chiefs team right now, and how do you think that storyline will develop by the end of the season? I'll let if you don't have one, I'll let you go first. I don't want to take yours because mine is mine is pretty obvious what I think it is and knowing that you do a breakdown with Chase Daniel each week on the KCSN YouTube it might be something very similar uh but what what is it for you Matt yeah I think I think it is just uh figuring out the pieces in this passing game right now and Mahomes getting back to 
some of the basics that we saw him be so successful with last year. And and we're gonna we're gonna really dig into it this week on the breakdown. Thank you for for giving that shout out. Um, but we're seeing a little bit of the lack of trust in some of these guys show up for Mahomes and and going through that that Broncos tape. It's it's clear there's a few times he can get the ball out of his hands and and, and you know give these guys a chance to make something happen after the catch. He's holding it a little bit longer, and obviously it's always a delicate and fine line with Mahomes because you don't want to eliminate that from his game. Extending plays is one of the things he does best and where we see so many of those highlights, but it's about picking his spots. And I think the more he gets guys around him that he trusts, the quicker the ball is going to come out of his hands and he's only going to extend plays when he has to versus right now. I think we're seeing him extend plays when he doesn't have to, which is where he gets himself into trouble sometimes and where we see some of these turnovers popping up. But um, so I wonder, are, are the Chiefs going to make a move here? I think, I, I, you know, I'd be absolutely shocked if we don't see them go get somebody else in this passing game by the trade deadline. Yeah, and I don't think it has anything to do with the, the Justin, Watson, Justin Watson injury, and depending on how long he's out, I don't think that was going to affect them needing to go out and get somebody. I was on the offseason bandwagon of whether it was Odell Beckham, whether it's DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm not saying write him a blank check and just pay him whatever they wanted. I understand that side of it, but... And we've talked about, I know Tucker and I have talked about this quite a bit, Matt, but I was worried when you had, you know, to keep seven receivers on the roster and in order for you to function the way that you come to accustom watching this Chiefs offense function, you needed all seven of those guys to be better than they've been. You needed all of them to take a step forward just yeah. to be where you've been or to feel like you're at where you're at. And that's just a lot to ask all of the guys getting a little bit better. Now, Andy Reid and Matt Nagy, all the offensive coaches, they've seen these guys. They know the young guys when they're ready to play before the fans do because they've seen it. Even though yeah. the fans, we spent all offseason talking about Justin Ross because of all the highlight films and all the highlights that we watched where they were fanning the flames all over the place and the Chiefs yep. fan, Chiefs Kingdom content area space, everybody was making Justin Ross like the next dude, like he was a number two receiver. And as somebody who's been it, coached it, scouted it, it was there is so much more than a highlight reel to functioning in an NFL regular season game against defenses that are game planning against you. They're taking things away that are trying to confuse you and make you do different things or look different ways. And I've seen it a couple of times and you do the breakdown. Now you're watching through all of the film to get there. And it'll be a fun, an interesting conversation because I haven't talked about this in depth with someone. So much of the chiefs offense are predicated and this is a good, good thing for Chase Daniel to talk about too their option routes and where these young receivers yeah. need to sit within these zone coverages. And there's been a handful of times where, and it's been Rasheed Rice and not that he's wrong. Holmes is wrong. It's not about assigning blame. It's they need to be on the same page of where it is when there's like yep. a itch route and Mahomes throws it and the receiver is reaching out for it from a standstill position. It was not an inaccurate pass. He thought he was going to slide a little bit further that way. And we saw with an interception, I believe it may have been Detroit earlier in the year where he just, the receiver was sitting in a different zone. And then this past week, yep. Rasheed Rice actually caught it where he reached back and made a fantastic catch. But again, it was showing, is he not sitting where he's supposed to or where Mahomes expects him to? And those are the types of things that I'm hoping and believing. I believe the offensive coaching staff believes six, eight weeks from now is going to be better. But as of right now, when you talk about that efficiency, and and that's just one example that I've seen with my casual fan eyes for somebody who breaks it down the way that you do, is that what the next step looks like? Because I said, you're not going to just all of a sudden it clicks and they're throwing for 450 yards. This could be a gradual thing with these guys and developing that trust. But what's something that fans could look for 
to be able to say, hey, this is progressing. Yeah, and that's a great call. And I think um, it, it comes back to what I was saying before with trust, right? Because you, you mentioned rice, and that's one of the plays we're going to dig into is um, they run a little a little mesh concept with those shallow, shallow crossers, and it's third and eight. And rice does what he's supposed to do, and the whole right side of the field is cleared out. And if he just dumps it off to him, he's going to easily pick up that first down. But I don't, you know, I think he comes off of him early because of some of those issues they've had with, with, with trust and, and with him not doing the right things on his option routes. And he ends up forcing a ball into Kelsey and completes it. And it's an incredible throw, yeah. but he could have made it easier on himself. But I think you're right. I think that's going to be, that's going to be a key factor here because that's what makes the Chiefs offense so difficult to defend is with those option routes, no matter what coverage you're in, somebody's going to be open. They're going to find holes in these zones. And and when yeah. we've seen them at their best, that's what they're able to do. And, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see from a coaching perspective, do you start scaling back some of that stuff if it's not clicking? Um, and, you know, you kind of cap the ceiling on your offense a little bit by doing that, but maybe make it a little bit more consistent. Or do you just keep pushing it and, and force these guys to have to grow up and mature and and get on the same page with Patrick? So yeah. um, that's what I'm really going to be looking for over these next few weeks. It's like they... They have built-in answers for anything that they can see. There's never yeah. a time where Andy Reid, their offense is going to go out and run a play. It's like, oh, that play just wasn't going to work because they had the perfect defense call. No, there are checks and things that these guys are supposed to do. And we know Mahomes yep. knows that part of it. He knows the offense like that. And that's where, to your point, the trust stuff comes in. That A lot of that, it's anticipation. You're throwing the ball before the break or before you know that he's doing the right thing. Because if you wait till he's open or you wait till the break, it's too late. Like You don't exactly. have much time. Uh, at this. So yeah, I think those are great points. And and to your point, it'll be interesting if they did bring somebody in. Uh, I know McCole Hardman, his name has been thrown around Kansas City quite a bit just because of how much is put mentally on those receivers that unless you're bringing in the guy midseason to give him packaged plays like they did with Kadarius last year, yeah, it's got to be somebody who's familiar with this because it's a really hard thing to pick up. That's true. And I do want to say with Hardman, I've seen, like, I've seen some negative stuff about Hardman coming back to Kansas City, which what I saw from him last year before he got hurt, I think we're seeing a progression in, with him in this offense. He seemed so much more comfortable. He and Mahomes really seemed like they were on the same page. I know he had some struggles earlier on. Yeah. He's still a young player, and I really liked what I was seeing out of him. It was a shame he got hurt last year because I think we we're going to see his best season as a Chief. So um, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world to get him back in that building. And I'll say this, and it, it, I'm probably talking out of both sides of my mouth, um, but I'm not against bringing McCall Hardman back. I would be curious on the usage because it seems like a lot of the usage and the ways that they're using Kadarius Tony were the same types of package, mm-hmm. a lot of the jet sweeps, the end rounds, a lot of the ways that they use McCall is what they yep. use Tony for now. And I'm not an expert on this either, but from watching, it seems like Kadarius Tony's missing some things on the ways that these plays are de- designed whether it's where to cut up, how to read a block, where to go, things that McColl was really good at, and a lot of McColl's yardage, even some of his receiving yardage, those were, you know, those little shovel passes at the line of scrimmage, and he'd turn the corner. He was really good at, but it wasn't like McColl was lining up, running, you know, intermediate routes across the middle consistently and being that kind of weapon for Mahomes. So maybe it's a little too similar to Tony, but on the same vein, if Tony's not executing these as well, even for as crazy as an athlete as he is, you've got to figure out how to create some more chunk plays with some of those design plays that we just quite haven't seen yet from Tony. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I do think Tony missing 
pretty much all of training camp was was devastating to him and his progress and that he needed those reps in this offense and he didn't get them because he wasn't on the field so um you're right there are it does seem like there have been a lot of missed opportunities with him Hardman can do a lot of those same things I mean you know Andy Reid he's going to find a way to use every everything at his disposal so I don't think having both those guys is a negative thing either because he's going to find ways to to make things happen um and use every single piece that he has absolutely all right more with Matt Hamilton and myself right after this quick break Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it? Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. I personally have been talking to somebody for a few years now, and it's amazing how much better you'll feel by learning more about yourself through it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash KCSN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash KCSN. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back to 21 Questions. I'm BJ Kissel hanging out with Matt Hamilton. You can find him... Uh, Kind of a little bit of everywhere on the Up and Adams show. He's been on this network quite a bit, uh, doing different things for us, and then obviously hosting the breakdown with Chase Daniel, breaking down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense each week on the KCSN YouTube channel. We're lucky to have him. Matt, another question here uh, from the KCSN Discord that is about the Chiefs passing offense, so we're just going to stay right on topic here. Uh, but this one is from Neil saying, do we think Rice gets a bigger feature in this offense after this little mini-buy? How might Andy Reid and company switch up the game plan to get him more involved during this mini bye week if they do? 
I think, again, uh, not to be repetitive, but I do think it's going to come down to him continuing to build that trust with Pat- Patrick Mahomes. I think they've, you know, he's he's getting some significant playing time. We've, ha- we've seen him make some big plays um, this year, but it's, it's a progression. He's a rookie. Um, and especially in this offense, it's hard to just step in as a rookie and, and be expected to succeed right away. There's a lot to learn, like you were saying. So, um, I think it's just going to be a matter of him getting comfortable. I do think, I do think we see the role increase week after week after week. I think from what he's shown he's capable of, I think he's going to be a big player for this team for years to come. Um, but I think it's something we're, we're going to have to have a little patience with. And hopefully by the time we get to the end of the season and into the playoffs, that's when we see him really start taking off. Yeah. And confidence is developed in these younger players by them finding success in, in small spurts and giving them a little bit, they go out, they find success that slowly builds that confidence that the more we give them, the more that they're going to find success. And I know that it's not like they've treated all young wide receivers the same and not, I'm not naming names cause that don't think it's important. But I know when guys get drafted and they come in, sometimes they t- they make those guys learn all three wide receiver positions. They have to know where to line up regardless of their X, Y, Z, wherever they're lining up, you got to know what you're doing. And then some guys, they're like, we're going to give you one. You're going to, we want you to learn one position. And how they determine that, depending on how much they feel like the player can absorb, how much is he going to be in his head while he's running around thinking through all of this. And so we don't, I don't, the reason I bring that up, we don't know where it's at with Rasheed Rice, but we know that whatever it is, they're slowly going to give him more. And Andy Reid's goal is not that Rasheed Rice can do anything and everything they wanted to right now at a high level. It's, can we give him another chunk of this playbook that he feels a hundred percent comfortable running week 16, week 17 of the regular season going into the playoffs and just give him a little bit more each week. So again, I don't think all of a sudden it's going to be anybody getting a huge share of targets. That's not Andy Reid's offense either. Yeah. It's not, they're not a Jamar Chase like, hey, we're just going to get this guy open 18 times and throw him the football. That's never been his offense. Same reason that no matter how obvious the Chiefs should run the ball this weekend's storyline is, he's still going to come out and throw the football 40 times. It doesn't matter if they're running, going up against the, the worst ranked defense. They're going to they're gonna throw the football. Um, but yeah. All right, let's so move on to the next one. This is Mike Denny, uh, and I'll take this one. Um, what new, unless you want to answer, I don't know if you can, but what new and exciting things are on the horizon for KCSN that you can tell us about? Um, how much I can give away? Uh, we do have some new stuff uh, coming up that's going to be exciting. Uh, we announced uh, a couple weeks ago our partnership with uh, Mission Taco and Holiday Distillery. We're already partners with them, but we have a new cocktail, the Any Given Holiday is being sold at all of the Mission Taco locations and proceeds from all of those drinks are going to benefit Braden's Hope. Um, They raise money for uh, pediatric cancer research uh, and helping close the gap for um, more funding going towards pediatric cancer because you would all be shocked to find out how much of cancer research and funding actually doesn't go towards uh, the pediatric uh, wing of things. And so really happy that we got that done. Uh, Have some other stuff, no new shows, anything like that, Uh, but we do have a decent sized partnership that uh, is going to be announced that uh, may include some swag uh, for people. I'll leave that right there. Now Tucker's nodding because he knows where I'm going with that. So um, <laughs> make sure to get everybody taken care of with that. But uh, mid-season, try not to try not to add a lot of things. But uh, appreciate everybody's support of what we got going on. Obviously, Mike Denny, they're a huge supporter, and we've known that since day one. So we appreciate you. Now let's move on to the next one. This is from Arrow saying, do you think a Frank Clark return makes sense? And are you afraid at all of him taking snaps away from younger players? I do think it makes sense. I think 
you know, it's the old Ernie Acorsi, uh, New York Giants philosophy. You can never have too many pass rushers. And it's true. The more you can rotate, rotate guys in on the edge, the better off you are. He obviously knows this defense very well. He'll be able to fit right in, pick things up right away. And I'm not concerned about him taking reps away from anybody. You're, you know, you're going after another Super Bowl. You're trying to repeat. You want every weapon you can possibly have at your disposal. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think anybody that's listening to this already knows what I'm going to say. Frank has been one of my dudes since the day he stepped foot there. Uh, he and I just got along, had some really deep conversations when he first got to Kansas City uh, in ways that, you know, he showed that he's pretty authentic and genuine. You ask, ask a question, he's going to give you his answer. Um, you don't always know what it's going to what it's going to say, which makes it kind of fun when he talked to him. But even when the mic's not in his face, he talked to him, he's genuine, authentic. Um, you just have a, he's real. Uh, to steal a word from Andy Reid that he uses quite a bit, this that Frank was very real with people on having those conversations. So I would love for Frank to come back. Obviously, for whatever reason, uh, didn't work out in Denver. Um, I did see a tweet that Frank Clark had never been on a team that had won less than 10 games in the regular season. He's always been wow. on good football teams since the moment he stepped foot uh, in the NFL. And he's going to tell people what he thinks and he's going to be honest with them. And I'm not saying anything about Denver. I have no idea. I don't know those coaches or players, but just in general in life, some people and some groups don't like people like that. That just come in, you ask them a question, they're going to give you an honest answer. Uh, and they're not going to sugarcoat it for you. I can be jerks about it, but they're going to give you an honest answer. And that's always been Frank. And I be one of the reasons that he and I get along so well. Uh, so you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an honest answer. Uh, but yeah, I, I would be surprised. At this point, I'd be surprised if Frank didn't end up back in Kansas City if he wants to continue playing and if he wants to, to line it up and try to get another Super Bowl ring two cents all right next question this is from zazmirax tuck how was i is that close close zax really you got you got me (laughs) zax zaminirax zax zaminirax what are your favorite ways that fans are disappointed in the chiefs play this year and play that has netted them check notes the best record in the nfl so far (laughs) it is uh You take this uh, one first. Yeah. And again, I love the passion of Chiefs fans. I love how invested they are in this team. And, and you know, I love how the, the sights are on the bigger picture here of, of repeating. You know, it's not just about winning games. It's not just about making the playoffs, winning the division. They want another Super Bowl. And, you know, that's the mentality you want your fan base to have. It's, uh, but, yeah, I think uh, yeah. <laughs> The overreaction sometimes to things is, as we talk about, it's a process um, with this team, especially with a, a lot of changes that have gone on. And, uh, you know, to look at things in even the first five, six weeks of the season and and think that that's how it's going to be all year. I don't think uh, this coaching staff is too good, um, you know, for, for things to be stagnant. I think we're going to see growth throughout the year. But, um, but yeah, I just uh, Twitter... Twitter is an interesting place when things aren't firing on all cylinders with yeah. the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, I think uh, there is something to be said for, you know, having perspective and being able to take a step back and, and think of how lucky you are that you get to, you know, complain about your team when they're five and one and and nitpick because you've been so successful over these years. Um, and, you know, um, just remembering what it was like kind of in those years before Patrick Mahomes at points um, to keep it in perspective. Yeah, I I agree with everything you said, and I do think it's it's an interesting thing because part of just complaining and just try to 
to figure out the things that are going to keep the team, in your opinion, from getting to where you want them to be and obviously where they want to be as well. Uh, it, sometimes you get you run a little hot, uh, especially right after games. It's never a pretty yeah. place to get off social media uh, oh, yeah. after games. But, you know, mine and I, and it's always hard. And I want to probably talk this through slower and longer than it should be made. But I think it's important to, to understand the nuance of it's about Justin Ross. Because I don't think anybody that was kind of downplaying Justin Ross's impact throughout the offseason didn't think he was a good player or didn't think that he was a hell of a young talent that we all saw uh, from his time early at Clemson. But it's really hard to step foot on an NFL field and the highlights aren't going to be what ultimately gets you there, but it's what gets fans excited. What gets yeah. the coaches excited is when they're sitting in a meeting room and they say, what do you do when he comes down here and you have the answer? What do you do if the sh- the leverage is over here? Or if they rotate this way, where do you break it off? And then Patrick Mahomes being like, yes, we're on the same page. Like that is what's more real than the highlights that the social media team is putting out, developing this hype that's yeah. basically unfair for a player. And that's where it's yeah. really hard because I saw it and I've made jokes about it. I've talked about it that, you know, it was Mark Harrison when I first got to the Chiefs. He was the guy in training camp, big body. It's always those big bodied receivers and shorts that just look freaking amazing. And then one year was Ross Travis at tight end. He was the next basketball player turned tight end that was making all these crazy athletic catches. And then Kenny Cook was the dude for two years. That was my guy. He was a small school receiver. He's 6'4", skinny, had overcame uh, same cancer that Eric Berry had, had a story. He was out there making plays. I'm like, prop. we're all talking about this kid all offseason during OTAs. You prop him up. He gets that it gets to his family, it gets to his friends, it gets to his former teammates in college, and then you put him on a, a, a pedestal he hadn't earned yet because what's real about it is how much does he understand the NFL offense. That's kind of where I was with Justin Ross. And now there are people saying, what are the Chiefs doing? Just put Justin Ross out there like, did you see all these plays? I'm like, he is not out there because mentally he isn't ready yet. And that is not a knock on him because we tried to speed up this timeline because we created so much hype about the off about the the highlights. I off here, or you agree? Like I see you nodding. I, uh, it's a hard thing to explain, but like, yeah. And I got I got a real taste of it when I when I was in Detroit at training camp, um, when I was working in that scouting department, because you realize, you know, being there, observing, taking notes on every single practice, every single session, you realize how small of a piece of the puzzle the fans really get to see, because yeah. it's those closed sessions that these guys are really being evaluated on. It's not just making a great play in a preseason game or, as he said, having a highlight from camp get put up on social media. It's every single rep that's being evaluated. And it's fu- it was funny to see the fan perceptions of, oh my God, this guy needs to play. He needs to make the team because he makes a few plays that that blew up you know, during preseason. And then when you watch 90% of the practice sessions, he's not really where he needs to be. Um, so again... I don't have, I haven't been seeing what Justin Ross has been doing in all the practice sessions. I can't speak to that. But the fact that he's not getting more time, I agree. It, it, it leads me to believe that there are things he still needs to get a lot better at um, yeah. behind the scenes that we're not seeing. And that's perfectly okay. And that's the other side. Yeah. That is not a knock. Like he's not doing this. He's not, it's fine for him. He's a young player and he's going to yeah. have an opportunity. He's in a great situation to learn this. And, and the fact that he made the team, I think, says a lot because that receiver competition, there, there was so much talent in that room and so many guys who who could have made the team instead. So I think the fact that they kept him around says a lot about what they think about him and his potential going forward. 
But yeah, the fact that he's not out there, I think it, it, if there's one coaching staff in this league and for an office in this league that I trust and really value, you know, put a lot of stock in the way that they're viewing their players, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. That's why it's hard to, as a fan, you can't just sit back and be like, I know we have the greatest coach, so I'm not going to second guess. I'm not going to question. I'm not going to get frustrated about anything. Like, that's not the nature of being a fan. But in the yeah. back of your mind, you you still kind of know, like, all right, it's 24 hours after the game. I can calm down. And I will share this story. I've told this story before, uh, kind of along those same lines. And this is about Patrick Mahomes. The year, the OTAs is the mandatory minicamp right before his first year as a starter. So that was the when all the coaches knew that they had something pretty special and mm-hmm. that the players had all been talking about the crazy highlights and all the throws that he had been making on the scout team his his rookie year uh, before that week 17 game against Denver that he got to start. But I remember hearing the story about how the last day of mandatory minicamp uh, before the players break for like six weeks before training camp that Bob Sutton, who's the Chiefs defensive coordinator at the time, who I know Bob Sutton has a certain stigma in Kansas City that people don't like. Bob Sutton would field phone calls from multiple defensive coordinators around the NFL who saw him as a thought leader and a person that they lean in on. And so like that was hard for me too. It was like, Bob is a genius. It might not work yes. and you might be upset with him about certain things. And they're freaking Pittsburgh. There are people listening right now. It's like, why do they have Justin Houston 50 yards in coverage against Antonio Brown? That's because Tom Bali fell down. Because you blitz seven guys, your linebacker shouldn't be 50 yards down. He's turning around, putting his hands up, not because he's 50 yards down the field. He's like, how's the ball not out right now? The other side story. Yeah. So, sorry. That, that one will always bother me. Um, but anyway, with Sutton, I, I heard the story about how the last day of mandatory minicamp, they were going to throw a bunch of stuff at Mahomes that he had never seen before to try to stump him to have a bad last day of mandatory minicamp. So he was worried for the next six, seven weeks, like, I got to study. Like before I start for the first time, like I got to be on it. And they threw it. I didn't hear this, but I was told by somebody who was there that they were walking off the field after that practice. And Bob just turned around and just threw his hands up to, to Andy Reed walking off the field. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. They threw every, they threw unscouted looks at him. They threw everything they possibly could. And he had an answer for all of it. And going back, I had talked with Patrick multiple times at OTAs and asking him like, how was your day? Like, what what do you see as success? And every time all he cared about because of the way they brought him up and they, the way they developed him, everything started with getting your protection set correctly. That he was happy after a play or after a day of practice if he got all his protection set. He didn't care if he threw four interceptions because he was trying to force something in or make some crazy throw because all he was being graded on and all of that Nagy or Kafka, whoever was at the time that he was going back to talk to, all they cared about, did you get the protection set correctly? And then you fast forward to his last man, his last practice in shorts before they go to training camp and start things for real. He absolutely torched a defense, seeing things that he had never seen before, having the right answers for all of it. And that's when the coaches knew we're about to see something that we've never seen before. If this translates to all of a sudden when there's eighty thousand people in the stands, that that that's an incredible story. That's unbelievable, and uh, I, I'm glad you you gave Bob Sutton some love to you. I've I got the chance to talk with him a few times. A plus person, and as you said, he's yep. a genius. Didn't work out, but um, geez, and it reminds me honestly of that story of um another little Chiefs time here. Gunther Cunningham um was the it was the defense coordinator Detroit in Detroit when I was there, and uh, I remember there were a few plays they would they would throw everything at that offense, and and. There are a few plays that Calvin made. And, you know, usually when you give up a big play in practice, the defensive coordinator is screaming, he's throwing clipboards, he's F-bombing, and and he just throws his hand and he's like, 
nobody else has that guy. Like next play. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. <laughs> That's funny. All right, a uh, few more questions here. Let's get to Jurors Chiefs. Uh, who in the AFC are you most scared of the Chiefs playing in the playoffs at this point? Matt, speaking from Chiefs fan perspective, who are you most scared of playing the way things sit here after, what, six, seven weeks? That's a good question. It's it, it's tough because, you know, with what the Chiefs have done, the Chiefs have beaten everybody that's in the conversation at some yeah, point. Yeah, the teams are supposed to be dominant and have looked mortal. Like, since Matt, he has looked mortal. Since he and Buffalo have two obvious answers, and they both have their own struggles. Yeah, so, um, you know, I don't think there's anybody, you know, I I can't sit here and say I'm afraid of anybody from a Chiefs perspective, but if I had to pick somebody, um, so I'm really interested to see what happens tonight and what's going to happen next week. The team that just, if they can freaking figure it out and get all this talent working, the team that honestly scares me the most in the AFC is the Chargers. Because on a given day, I think that talent level across the board on a team is so friggin' good. And they just have... I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not going to call you up. Every Chiefs fan's like, of course it's the Chiefs. It's always the Chargers. And it's become so fun. that every It's like seven years in a row. It's always the Chargers. I know. And I, and, and I can't get... I know. And they do. And I know it sounds ridiculous on some level, but I'm just we're going to see what happens over these next couple of weeks. But if this team is healthy and they can get this thing clicking, it's, it's nonsensical that this team isn't better than it is. Um, but I say that not to say that I think the chargers are, are better than, I just think if on a given day, if they have it all working, they are scarier from a personnel standpoint than what the banged up bills have right now. Um, and what the bet and the Bengals are just, been a very strange team this season um the the ravens also dealing with a lot of injuries they've found their way through it they don't scare me a ton i just think yeah when you look at the highest end of what they can put out if you run into them in a one game situation in the playoffs with the ceiling that that team can achieve that's the team that probably scares me the most and i know laugh it's i i I totally understand the laughing i get it (laughs) i'm sitting here trying to figure out like how can i convince myself that it's miami or cincinnati or buffalo but it's the injuries and it's the way the chief defense is playing so even with miami it's yeah their offense but the chief defense is what's carrying them right now do i think they're gonna hold them down yeah it's which my head go ahead Oh, I'm sorry. And Miami's defense has been atrocious. That's why I can't get there with them yet. Because if the offense falters at all, like we saw in the Buffalo game, if they just have a slightly off day, they're screwed because that defense can't stop anybody. Yeah. The only thing we've ever seen slow Mahomes down, and that granted, not this year, uh, but in the years past, is getting pressure with four. It's getting him off his spot, getting him drifting, and getting him kind of taking those five, eight step drops and then kind of sitting back where he's basically moving into rushing lanes where everybody's yelling at the offensive lineman. He's like, he ran in a straight line and barely at an angle and he sacked the quarterback. That's not on the offensive line. Uh, So honestly, like the Chargers might be that answer, even with the record and all of it. I just, that's a (laughs) sneaky good question at this point right now. It really is. I think it's Miami, Cincy, or Buffalo, but they've all looked pretty mortal. They've all got key injuries at different points uh, and different things that are kind of holding them back. Um, I just secretly, like, I want to not like Miami. And I know Tyreek's had a lot to say about Kansas City since he's left. Yeah. Mike McDaniel just seems like the coolest freaking dude in the world. Like, I would love to cover that guy because he's just a dude. It just talks yeah. like you'd want a smart-ass coach to talk when he's asked certain <laughs> questions. Like, his answer of, like, 
oh yeah, week five output. Like that was mission accomplished guys. Like that's <laughs> such a beautiful answer to yeah. a question that was, and I didn't hear how the question was presented, but I've heard a lot of questions where they just kind of repeat a stat. It's like, what do you yeah. think about that? And like, well, that's great. Yeah. That's, that's why we do it. And, and I will say, I'm with you. I love what he's doing there. I love I love the way he's coaching this team. I love the way that offense looks. And, I, and just as a football fan, I really hope we see that defense start picking it up. Because again, it's always going to come back when they don't do well. Even that Buffalo game, when they couldn't stop the Bills on a single drive, it was back up. Well, Mike McDaniel's not as good as he's hyped up to be. Tua doesn't have it. No, it's, you know, <laughs> when when, you know, your defense can't get off the field. It's hard to win games in this league. And and that's the biggest it's the biggest concern I have with them. I do hope they figure it out because I think, you know, if they do get a little better on that side of the ball, that could be that could be an epic matchup in Germany with them and Kansas and Kansas City. Absolutely. That'd be the best game that Germany that anyone across the pond has had uh at this point. But all right, let's move yeah. on to the next question. We've got just a couple more here uh with Matt Hamilton. Uh, this one, uh, Casey from Casey. It's always an interesting one. It's kind of along the lines of what we were just talking about. Uh, when did the Chiefs clinch the AFC West? Like at what what week, what point is it in the season? Because bad performance from the Chargers this week. Chiefs take care of business and beat the Chargers next week. And it's just the Raiders left. Because the Chiefs have a two-game, right now the Chiefs have a two-game lead in the AFC West through six weeks. Um, it it's, it's a bad few weeks for everybody else. And the Chiefs keep winning before it's kind of getting out of hand. Um, yeah, the Chargers have this is the Chargers season over the next couple of the game tonight, depending upon when you listen to this uh, against Dallas and obviously against the Chiefs in Kansas City next week. Yeah, and I think it, it really the Chiefs are going to keep taking care of business. Um, you know, not to say there won't be a few hiccups in there, but it really is more about you got to think the Raiders are going to fade away at some point. It's kind of a miracle that they're three and three as it is with with what they've been putting out there and yeah. you know, their inability to run the ball, which was what they owned their hat on last year. Um, and now Garoppolo getting hurt. We'll see how bad that is. Um, but it is, it's going to be up to the chargers and, and tonight's game is going to have a lot to do with that. If they show something, beat the Cowboys, um, and come in and give the chiefs a tough time the next week, this could be a division race deeper into the season. Um, if the, if the chargers lose tonight, I'm with you. I think the, the chiefs can end up having this thing locked up by, by like week 10, week 11. Um, yeah. Yeah, buy that AFC West championship shirt for like the eighth year in a row. Can't wait for Matt McMullen, Chiefs senior reporter. It's always got like his AFC West championship hats like all lined up <laughs> and just going to have to get a new desk. All right, we have two questions left. Uh, Matt, this one's not about NFL, but I'm curious because this is a good question. Uh, it's from Lee87. Again, these questions are coming from the KCSN Discord channel. Uh, give me your opinions on how NIL has changed college football and says sports actually in quotes. And after statements like Deion Sanders had about his son needing a watch sponsorship for a celebration, plus his son tweeting out sponsorships at halftime when they end up surrendering a large lead to Stanford and losing, and with players willing to hold out of going to the NFL draft because they might be making a little bit of money in college. Uh, another loaded question there. Uh, but yeah, and he admits mine is a couple, of, a couple of parts rolled up into one question. But how do you feel it's about NIL is going and then obviously about the statements about Deion? Yeah, I think whenever you have a change this drastic, it's going to take time to get it where it needs to be. And obviously, you know, we've seen there are some issues with, with NIL right now, but I think overall, this is a good thing um, that these players are being compensated and, and you know, they have they add so much brand value to these schools and they make a lot of money for these schools and they should be able to capitalize on that. And, you know, seeing, you know, 
working in a college football program at Missouri for those years and seeing, you know, the struggles some of these guys had to make ends meet off the field because you devote your entire life. It is a full-time job yep. to play a sport in college. You, you know, you have no other way to make money. So giving these guys that opportunity, I think is a great thing. And I think it's what's going to make college football sustainable for the future because we were trending in a direction where college football is falling apart. And I think we're seeing a resurgence right now. I mean, looking at those crowds that have been at those Mizzou games, I mean, over the last couple of years, they were not drawing like that. There were a bunch of teams that are drawing way above what they were last year. Um, So I think overall, I think this is going to be a really good thing for the sport. Again, it's going to take some tweaking. And it's going to take an adjustment, I think, from a fan perspective, because, yeah, like the Dion stuff, the watch sponsorships, you hate you hate seeing you don't want money to to start overshadowing. One of the beautiful things about college football is there was that purity to, uh, to the game that, you know, and I get all of that. But at the end of the day, when these schools are making so much money off these kids yeah. likenesses, they should be able to benefit off their likenesses as well. So hopefully we can find a happy medium with all this stuff going forward. Yeah, my take, I'll try to be succinct with it. If they would have allowed players to get paid for autographs in the jerseys that they were selling 15 years ago, they wouldn't have had to overcorrect as far as they did to where now this situation where everything's commercialized and like the watch stuff and the Dion all stuff, like it can, there are times in which you'd ask me like, yeah, it's kind of annoying, but they were always doing that. Now it's just the quiet parts a little bit more out loud and the players are the ones getting paid for it as opposed to executives and people behind the scenes that were raking in all this money. So yeah, I don't think... And, you know, mid baseball in college, I don't expect, wasn't getting any, any NL, NIL deals. Now my wife played volleyball. She probably would have got some NIL deals. Um, but seeing the football players, and the amount of money that they brought in, we knew as a baseball program, like we weren't going to complain about a lot because we were a non-revenue generating sport. There are two sports that generate revenue, uh, for college athletics. And when you're traveling and you're getting on buses and we're flying commercial, uh, and all that stuff, and you've seen the, the football team traveling with all their swag and all the stuff they get. We never really got upset about it because like our bats and everything we got was being paid for because of the football team at K-State and how successful they were. But uh, that part of it doesn't bother me. The part that bothered me and my first job when I left the Chiefs went and worked for a company called Let It Fly Media. And part of that was doing, you know, NIL, like just branded athlete content and with NIL kind of going the way that it was, it was how can we play in this? Is there a way for us to play in this space and be valuable? Uh, it's a really tricky thing to figure out with the money of where it comes from and how it works. But my biggest worry was to what you said right off the bat of it's going to take a few years for this to get figured out and regulated correctly. My issue was that that two years, I hope, wasn't kids getting screwed over because they had to realize, hey, you need an attorney to read this. Well, if you're getting yeah. a night and most of the NIL deals weren't going to be a whole ton of whole lot of money. So you're talking about a player maybe getting a thousand dollars but having to pay a lawyer $500 to read it, he's not going to pay half of the money that he was going to earn to do that. Well, what's in that? Is that yep. company going to get to use that player's likeness for the rest of his life? So that player who's a freshman and sophomore in college now all of a sudden becomes an all-pro football player where you've got such and such company using his likeness 10 years later because of he, some contract he signed as an 18-year-old kid. And I like the fact that I've seen some stuff and I don't know where it's ended up. I haven't followed all the rules, but the NCA taking a little bit more responsibility and overseeing some of the con the big thing for me were the contracts, the players are signing who is overseeing these and who's looking out for the player. And if you put the player in a situation where the half the money that he was going to earn has to be given up to make sure that a lawyer and somebody who's professional reads this to make sure they're not getting screwed. 
wasn't sustainable. That wasn't going to work. No college, no 18 year old kid was going to do that, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and we've seen some lawsuits come out of it because kids, have, some of these kids have been taken advantage of. So hopefully, yeah, we get to a place where it's regulated. Yeah. If again, they just would have inched a little bit 15 years ago, we would not be in this position right now. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad, don't know where we'd be, but uh, I feel like it would have helped things not overcorrect quite to the level that they have. All right. Um, final question. It's more for me, but I will, I'll steer the question towards you. This is from positivity toast, positivity toasty duck. Good. All right. Positivity toasty. So what was your favorite non-football related thing you did in the twin cities? Matt, I was able to take my son. We drove up to Minnesota uh, and go to the, uh, the Vikings game. Uh, We went to mall of America the day after the game, which was a whole lot of fun. Didn't have a lot of time to spend there. Uh, Didn't realize how expensive everything was. Uh, Once you get in there, it's still pretty pricey. But honestly, just my son and I were in the hotel. Like we went swimming. We brought a little water football and just played catch in with the football in the hotel pool for like two hours, just the two of us hanging out. And he just like, Dad, let's play catch. Dad, let's go do this. Dad, let's walk around. It was cool just to have that time with him. We do stuff with my daughter as well. But just having that moment and seeing like the game and he was just like, Dad, what happens if Rasheed Rice will run like this and they'll do this? And it's like these crazy scenarios. But it's just awesome to see like the light come on. Uh, for him in that way so that we didn't do a whole lot outside of that we were staying downtown downtown uh he's pretty young he's late after the game was over uh and vikings fans were not real thrilled about the way that that <laughs> game went down he learned some new words yeah. uh, on the way out <laughs> and he did look at me because some some vikings fans and the, it wasn't aggressive and wasn't like scary but they were like mm-hmm. screaming like you kansas city cheaters you guys are cheaters and i said i'm walking down a sidewalk with my son i didn't play this football game i didn't do anything um, yeah, but we did not cheat and the refs uh did their jobs and yada 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 and then my son pulls on my arm he's like dad are we cheaters and i go no that's just something that people that lose say <laughs> it's a great way to it's like it, what do you want it's a lesson like don't don't complain about the refs like that's not why you lost uh but anyway so for you like what's uh you went to london what was your favorite thing that you did in london or any road trip if you know like hey i'm going to this city like i've got to go do this Oh man, that's a great question. I mean, London, uh, yeah, London, um, London, London's incredible. I, I urge everybody, um, you know, the next time the Chiefs play over there, get there, tri- make the trip. It's so worth it. It's so much fun. Um, I don't know. I've done, done some of the touristy stuff and some like now I have like favorite restaurants over there. So I'll, I'll give a shout out. Um, it was about six month anniversary with my wife. She came out, made the trip as well. Went to this Indian restaurant called Chutney Mary which is um, in Mayfair in London. And they've really, you know, it went above and beyond. It's an incredible place. If you like Indian food, they have some of the best of it out there in London. So um, that's a spot I always had to go to there. Um, and then just on the road in general, I, you know, I, you, you had me thinking about Minnesota because uh, my one trip up there was was for the Super Bowl, that Eagles Patriots Super Bowl that was played there. And um, it is, it's a, it's a beautiful stadium. The city is beautiful. I wish it wasn't negative 10 degrees when we were there because yeah. I feel like I could have really enjoyed it. But um, but yeah, it is uh, it is a great place to watch a game. Really, one of my favorite stadiums I watch a game. In. Yeah, I don't know if they had it when you were there. The thing that tripped me out, and I told Tucker this when we came back, uh, the fireworks inside, they were like hanging down from like the wires. I'd never seen that. And if that's a common thing, then I've just never seen it. I'm the outcast here. But they were shooting off fireworks inside of a dome. And I was like, oh, that's ballsy. Like how are they shooting these things up? Then I looked. 
And there's these like wires hanging down from the wrap. There's like 50 of them just hanging down. There's these little tiny balls on the end. It must just be sending like some sort of charge to them. And then it goes off because you have like these fireworks going off. That's awesome. No, they didn't have that um, no. for that Super Bowl. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. It's a new thing. And the the one thing in London, we went to the, the museum. We like walked around and took the tube around when we mm-hmm. played in London. I remember that. Like I didn't even care where we were going. Uh, we got to see, like, we did all the touristy stuff. The one, We didn't see um, uh, Abbey Road because that was so far from where we, we were staying right by Wembley. And it was like yeah. a hike to get up over there. But we saw all the rest of the stuff, went to a pub, went to the museum, uh, and then saw, like, the Rosetta, like, the original Rosetta Stone. And I was like, oh, it's awesome. like the Rosetta Stone. I'm like, no, that is the Rosetta Stone. I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty cool. I'm not very smart. Um, pretty cool. Matt, any final thoughts before we wrap up this show? We appreciate everybody for hanging out. Uh, on this episode of 21 questions what do you want to leave us with uh just uh, i appreciate you having me bj and uh i'm glad you know you got that question i got to talk a little bit about what you're doing because i think one of the things um that's really stood out to me since you brought me in here and and i've been on the team is just how much you you do to give back and really use the platform to do positive things in the community and i think you know you don't have to do that. And I think it really, it kind of gets, it it gets lost in the shuffle of everything else going on sometimes. So I just, you know, when you were talking about that, it made me, it made me think about that. And I just wanted to, uh, to give you a little shout out there because, uh, it's, it's really incredible what you do. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's a hard thing. And if anybody who's still listening to the show, that's the hardest thing about all the stuff we do in the community. Cause it's like intrinsically, like what motivates me is to use what we're doing to, to make some sort of tangible difference to give back. If I wasn't doing this, I'd be in nonprofit somewhere doing something uh, like this. I just got caught up in this content game back in 2008 and just kind of ride, uh, ride the wave. But it's been the coolest part. It's just, how do you be transparent about the different things you're promoting? We have foundation, people donate money for things. And it's like trying to tell people what we're doing while also not just trying to pat ourselves on the back for the good things that we are doing. So it's, it's a, it's a fine line there, but, um, yeah, we got another one tomorrow. We're doing the feed it forward program tomorrow, uh, going up to the hope faith ministries, the homeless shelter, uh, with mission taco and they're providing the meals and we'll serve them for a couple hours. Um, and just seeing how appreciative, uh, you know, some of the less fortunate people in our community are and, and the way that how gracious they are about everything. Like I would recommend to anybody volunteering at a homeless shelter and going and, and not for, you know, sympathy or uh, pity, anything like that. It's just, see how these people are acting. They're happy. They're gracious. They're just happy to be getting a warm meal. And it just kind of makes you rethink and reset, you know, the things that, that work, get you worked up about. Um, so I think it's important for everybody. And it's obviously, it's always going to be something that's important to what we're doing here at KCSN. So Matt, I appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate that it's made an impact, uh, for you since I really talked about that before, but appreciate everybody for hanging out. Uh, we'll have only weird games that will be going live Monday night. Don't forget the KC lab as well. So a lot of good content coming your way over the next week as we got a couple extra bonus days uh, with the Chiefs playing last Thursday as we got the the full week here before they take on the Chargers next Sunday here at Arrowhead. But we appreciate all you for hanging out. Please leave us that five-star review if you like what you heard. And if you didn't, uh, just send me an email. Uh, Don't leave a one-star review. We appreciate that. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.